Amen. Well, hey, good morning. This chilly January day. Uh, we are excited to be launching into this Rooted series. You are going to want a Bible this morning. It's what we do at Grace. We worship God and then open up His Word together. So go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 12. If you need a Bible, just slip up a hand. We'll get a Bible to you. If you didn't get one of these Rooted uh, uh, personal study guides, you can also uh, um, just indicate that. And we'll make sure you have one of those as well. But we'll be in Romans 12 this week, or actually the next few weeks. So as we are, uh, as we're launching into this series, just so you kind of know where it comes from, is that uh, is recognizing that so many of us in our lives uh, when live in the world that we live in is this chaotic, unpredictable, uncertain world where we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen in the economy. We don't know what's going to happen in our country. We don't know what's going to happen in our community. And we don't know what's going to happen in our family. I mean, a personal story about that, some of you have already heard this, but on Thursday afternoon, as we, uh, um, I was actually out for a, a jog, I got a call from Sadie that our, our oldest daughter, who was driving uh, back to school uh, in Mississippi, had been in a, in a really awful accident and, uh, on I-20. Involving a couple of, of tractor trailers and uh, uh, Praise the Lord. She she was okay. I mean banged up and sore and, and bruised um, and uh, But the car is completely totaled, but we will take that all day as long as that, the fact that she walked away from it uh, But so I, but I get this call as I'm on my jog, you know, Ian's been in an accident I'm on my way there, and I'm like, oh, man. I was like, you know, come get me. You know, like, I mean, don't just drive off without me. She's like in this, like, mama bear state. I got to get to my daughter. And I was like, no, no, no come get me. I was, you know, so she pulls up beside me as I'm running. I hop in the car. I mean, I have nothing except a T-shirt and shorts and my cell phone. And we start driving to Alabama. And, uh, but, and as we're driving, just praying, and we get her on the phone, and we can hear her, and we can hear the EMT and the police as they arrive. And um, and just God just really washed over her. I mean, just some of the sweetest people that ended up on the scene taking care of her. And obviously with the storms coming through, it you know, took us a couple hours to get there. But I, I say that, I mean, that was our Thursday. And, uh, and not at all what we would have expected. I, I went out for a jog. That's not how I in, planned on ending my run. And, uh, and, but I know, I mean, that's, that's one example from my life. And, and we said this last week, you know, when we were out of watch week, I remember going over to the table of intercession and just reading through the things that you were praying over, over things going on in your lives, of family members and children and parents and sickness and struggles at work, and just knowing that we all are carrying something into this room that we don't know what to do with. Amen? Like, you're not alone. Like, if it feels like life is shaky, it's because it is. It's unpredictable. It's chaotic. And yet, somehow, the promise of Jesus is that in this world where things are so broken and so distorted and so uh, shaky, that we can live a rooted life, a life of peace, a life of, of wholeness of stability, where our souls can be anchored into something of substance, and our lives can be planted on an unshakable kingdom. 
And so just recognizing as we're entering into this year that we, uh, you know, we, we started the year with, in this posture of hungering after God. And, and many of you are in the, it's still in the middle of that 20-day Daniel fast that we're doing as a church family. And, and many of you spent uh, time up here in prayer and obviously in worship and, and just opening up our hearts to say, God, what do you have for me this year? But one of the things I know that God wants for us is to live in a place where our, the, our lives, our souls are rooted in him, regardless of the circumstances around us, so that we can grow into this life of love, that we might live, as the Bible promises, this fruitful life, a life of depth and impact, a life of substance and meaning. Like, who doesn't want that? Amen? That we can hold on to something sure, even in the midst of the pain and the, the shakiness of the world around us. And so that was where this idea of rooted came from. And then also realizing that, uh, that as we ended the book of Romans, uh, or sorry, we came to the end of chapter 11 before the Advent season started. And as we were... Um, uh, coming to a close, and, and Thanksgiving was coming, and we took a pause and looked at the story of Jesus and the birth of, of God, Emmanuel, into our world, bringing hope and love and joy and peace. And then coming back out on the other side of it and picking back up where we left in Romans chapter 12. And the amazing thing about Romans chapter 12 is that, that in it, Paul makes this shift where he's been spending the, the first 11 chapters of Romans explaining the amazing, miraculous grace and mercy of God, the gospel of Jesus, that God himself stepped into our sinful, broken world, that he, that it, in the form of Jesus, and that Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf offers the forgiveness of sins, that we could be cleansed and right before God. And that in that, he invites us into this newness of life, this resurrected life, where Jesus reigns supreme. And that good news of the gospel, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, is something that all people are invited into, and that unites all people into one new family. But in Romans chapter 12, the turn Paul makes is to say, yes, all of that is true. But with that being true, how now are we to live? And he gives in that chapter some basic principles that we believe that if we implement and begin to walk in our life is the invitation into that rooted kind of life that we were talking about. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to be going on a little journey together. That's what we call it. The whole church Kids, students, adults, all of our groups, everything is stopping to, to focus in together on this one area, this one topic. And so as we go through these five weeks, we'll actually just be making our way through Romans chapter 12. And so if you want to look in your rooted guide and kind of flip on to page uh, chapter 4 and 5. And first off, just a huge thanks. It was, uh, uh, call them our pit crew, our pastors in training, John and Benji and Peter that worked so hard to, to put together the content for this book. And then Emma, we can uh, just thank her that put together, just did a beautiful job um, putting this book together. 
Now we do, uh, you know, full disclosure, um, we want everyone to have one of these and to take one of these home with you. We are asking for a totally optional $10 donation uh, if you would like to help cover the cost of these books or if you would like to make a donation towards that um, that uh, to help cover the cost of other people's books. On the way out the door, we just have a little white bucket sitting outside. So, so apart from our you know, normal tithes and offerings, if you so feel led to give uh, to help cover the cost for whether yourself or for um, others, then feel free to do that. But regardless, we want everyone to have one of these to work through. Um, you'll see that as we go through these, uh, through these weeks, that the five weeks are going to focus first on, on being renewed, on connecting with God daily, where we're going to start today, the basis of it all. And we'll move into this, uh, this practice of knowing your story, but understanding your story through, from God's perspective, that we need to see ourselves rightly. We need to see the handprints of God on our lives and to be able to tell that story of God. As Paul continues in this renewing of mind, and then the first thing he talks about with a renewed mind is the way we see ourselves, but then as we see ourselves the way that we are rooted into a community of faith, where we've all been given unique gifts and a role to play. And so knowing who God made you to be and what he has called you to do, and rooting you in this new family, we're in the fourth week, we see that we're called to live and to love together in a community. And then finally, God is not just forming this beautiful community of faith where all of us have a gift to bring to the table. All of us have something we need from one another, living rightly from God's perspective, renewing our mind daily. But those kind of people are called by God to then enter the world and be people of blessing for the world around them, even a world that despises, hates, persecutes, or disagrees with us, to be the light in the darkness. And so we see that this rooted kind of life isn't a self-focused life. It's not even a life focused on just me and a few of my friends. This rooted life is a life planted in God that becomes a fruitful life for the sake of the world around us. Amen. And so each week what you'll see there's kind of three parts to the journey. This is how it works. John mentioned this. But to, to fully uh, to take advantage of this, and again, that classic phrase, you'll get out of it what you put into it. And there is some work to be done, but I can tell you that this work will be powerful in your life if you will enter wholeheartedly into it. But uh, first, we'll be uh, diving into the Word, digging into Romans 12 each Sunday. And then in this book, you'll be led through a series of challenges. Uh, a series of application, if you will, of ways to apply the things that we're teaching each week. And then, as John mentioned, that critical piece of it is that we come together in community to process and discuss what God is teaching, and teaching us and doing in and through us. And so you'll see there on page 8, at, and same at the beginning of each week, uh, is a place for you to jot down any notes from the teaching. And then on the following page, and you don't have to go there now, but will be the... the weekly challenge, that personal journey uh, of walking with God into these practices. So Romans 12, let me just read these first two verses, maybe two familiar verses, but I hope that God can give us some fresh perspective today, even if you've heard it a thousand times. 
I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to pre present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So don't be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to read the message translation of that. It's actually the very beginning of your journey guide. Eugene Peterson's translation of that familiar verse. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your ordinary everyday life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Isn't that good? The culture dragging you down to its level of immaturity. To enter into culture without even thinking. Instead, fixing our attention on God. So as we said, we want this rooted life that becomes a fruitful life. In John 15, Jesus makes it clear that, that the extent of the fruit of our life is directly proportional to our intimacy or connection with him. Or as he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you will bear much fruit, fruit that will last. Jesus gives this, this analogy, this picture or parable in Matthew. Of a farmer who goes out to sow his seed into the soil. Obviously his hope for his, uh, an abundant harvest. No farmer goes out into their field hoping they get a lackluster crop. His goal is to get the best kind of, of harvest that he can possibly get. But as he goes and he's throwing this seed out, this seed with so much potential to bring life and fruit, uh, to bring a field that is flourishing. Some of it, unfortunately, Jesus says, falls along the path. And as it falls along the path next to where he's sowing the, the seed in the field, it says the birds of the air come and snatch it and take it away. Never even gets a chance to bear any roots, much less to become a, a, a fruitful crop. He says that other soil, it, it, or other seed, it falls on a, it, onto rocky soil, the, the soil that hasn't been tilled up fully. And it says that the, the seeds are shallow so that when the sun comes out, though that, that seed springs up quickly in that shallow soil, the sun withers it on the vine because it has no root. 
He says there's other soil, though, and it, it takes root. But unfortunately, as it grows up, it grows up among the thorns. And so that as it grows, the, the thorns begin to choke it out so that there is no fruit. But, he says, the seed that falls on the good soil, that buries itself deep, that establishes those roots and grows into its fullness, produces a crop, he says, tenfold, a hundredfold what was even planted. Now, his disciples, they hear this, and they're, they're, they're intrigued by this idea of, okay, God, we get it, there's this farmer, we've seen this happen, it's sort of a, a normal thing, there's nothing that's surprising about the actual science of the parable, but Jesus, what are you talking about? What does this have to do with my life? And Jesus clarifies, well, that seed is actually the word of God. And it's the word of God that we know that has the life that we need to transform our every day into the eternal. It's the word of God that, that came, that was personified in Jesus, that brings life and fruit. And, and that, it's that word that is intended by God to be planted deep in our souls so that we become the kind of people that live this fruitful life. But he says that word, for some people, it is like the seed that, that is planted on, uh, that, that falls on the seed, that the enemy comes, and before it even begins to take root, snatches it away. It, it's sort of like if, uh, if you've ever, uh, I'm sure this never happens in here with my sermons, but you know, you're listening to a sermon, and you're like, man, that's a great point, I need to think about that. And then you walk out the door, and you're like, man, Longhorn sounds really good. Oh yeah, what was that thing I said I wasn't going to forget? Right? Never happened to anyone here, though, right? It doesn't even have a chance to take root in our hearts and our minds. It's just snatched away, and the enemy would love to do that with God's word in our lives. He says some soil, though, that falls on the, the soil, the seed that falls onto the shallow soil. It's like the seed that has no root. There's no depth. And so he says, when trouble or persecution comes, those fall away. They're, they're withered up by the harshness of life because it actually has no root. To get excited about what God might be saying or God might be doing, but it actually has no real bearing in our souls. And so when difficulty comes, they fall away. Now, the crowd of soil is interesting because the crowd of soil actually has roots. And there's actually growth. And there's potential for fruit. But it says that this seed, that, or this, the, the thorns that come up alongside of it choke it out. But then Jesus specifically mentions what could be those things that could choke out so much potential for God's best in our lives. And you know the two things that he says? That he specifically mentions, and I'm sure there's more, but Jesus is specific about two. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. And so just pause. This is just not, you know, interesting spiritual nuggets. But like in, in, in your own life, have you seen this play out? Where God is beginning to, to do a work in you and his word is becoming alive in your soul and you're beginning to step forward in faith to hold on to his truths, to live in his purposes and his calling. 
then all of a sudden we see that that worry that creeps in, the anxieties and the pressures and the burdens. And it can be as simple as what's going on at work or what's going on in my family, but it begins to, to overwhelm our minds. And it's easier to be consumed by our worries than it is to be planted in God's word. Anyone experience that? Where the thing we fall asleep that's just rolling through our mind over and over again is the same thing we wake up on. And yes, we can turn to God, but it feels like as soon as we turn away from his word or our, our prayers are, are distracted or maybe they just go away because we got to get to the next thing and the busyness that begins to consume and the anxieties that, that begin to under, overwhelm. And that word that had begun to take root begins to get choked out. And then the deceitfulness of wealth is, I think, one that most all of us can identify with, that those, the things, whether it's the, the, the striving for more or the desire for possessions and stuff, for status and symbols, or the stress that comes with keeping up with our neighbor— or that if I just have enough, then I'll be okay. You know what the most consistent answer to the question, how much do you need to feel rich is? So I'll just ask you that question. How much do you, I mean, you don't have to say it out loud, but just in your head, how much do you need to, to feel rich? They asked this question of, of people from all different income brackets, and uh, the, the answer was surprisingly similar. A little bit more. A little bit more. They're asking people at the highest levels of income, what would you actually need to feel rich? More. Just a little bit more. The people that are just making uh, a, you know, a good a daily wage, I mean, just a little bit more. The deceitfulness of wealth is that if you could finally, that there's this, there's this illusion, this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, which is a really apt metaphor that we, we're all familiar with. There's, it's this illusion that if I could just get there, then my life would be stable. If I want to be rooted, then if I could just get my financial life in order, then things will be okay. And the reason it's an illusion is because even when our financial lives begin to get in order and we begin to do a little bit better, somehow there's still this angst in our soul that in, in some ways even increases because now there's more to take care of and more to lose. And Jesus is saying it's that life that's consumed by the deceitfulness of wealth that is overwhelmed by the worries of this world is a life that begins to choke out so that this word that has root, that has rooted, that has so much potential for fruit in our lives to actually ground us in the only thing that is stable and certain, which is God himself, the presence of God with us, gets choked out. But then he gives this picture of this fertile soil. And the difference between rocky soil and thorny soil and fertile soil is a soil that's been tilled up. There's this picture of, of God kind of digging into the, the soil of our hearts to create space, to break up the hard ground, to root out the places of, uh, of idolatry and insecurity. There's an openness to what God is doing, that his word could get planted in our soul. 
And it's this same image that, that Paul is leaning into when he talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds as we present our bodies, this living sacrifice to God. A way of giving our whole life. And really, this whole life sacrifice is just Paul's practical application of what Jesus already said was the most important command. Remember, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. In other words, with all that we have to lay it before God. And then Paul gives this powerful picture of presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, as if we're laying it on the altar before God and saying, all that I have, my mind, my body, my soul, my heart, the way that I think, what I do with my arms and my legs, what I do with my mouth and my mind, God, it is yours. I lay it before you. And I just wonder even for us, and this picture isn't like a one-time picture, like, oh yeah, I did that when I was 13 at church camp. It's this, this constant laying of our lives before God. And so even right now, just wh where you sit, if you think about the, the life, the, the, your last week, what would it look like to intentionally say, to lay before God and to say that all that I have and all that I am, it is yours, God, and I surrender it to you. And he says, this is actually our acceptable worship. Our spiritual, true, authentic worship. Not so much, yes, we worship in praise and in songs. We, we worship as we declare how good God is. As, we, as, as, uh, as our voices are lifted up or our hands are raised. Yes, that's a form of worship. But what God says is the true, authentic worship is not the songs that we sing, but the way that we surrender to our true king. And he says, in this spiritual act of worship, of laying our lives, is this, is this, is this practice of saying, I'm not going to be conformed to this world that I live in. And what he's recognizing is that there is pressures of this world. There's a culture that is pressing itself upon us. That we, just because of the world that we live in, the messages that we receive on a daily basis... That are trying to get us to think of this is the way to experience true life. This is what it means to truly be a man. This is what it means to really be a woman. This is what it means to experience the best. If you just have this, or you just do this, or you just look like this. And so one of the things that we don't even so many times is it just becomes the white noise of our lives. What we hear on the radio, what we see on, in the, on movies or television, that what it gets celebrated, what is most important, what gets talked about. I mean, it is this constant influx that is trying to mold us into a certain pattern of what life is meant to look like. And what God is saying is that it is not to be conformed just without thinking into the patterns that this world would say uh, is, is true life. 
but instead to be transformed by God. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he begins with this amazing uh, um, uh, word picture or analogy. What he says is that he talks about this accident that happened at a, in a, like a Blue Angels, one of those flying club uh, sort of shows, where the pilot uh, was flying upside down, not realizing that they had been turned, uh, were actually upside down, and they were uh, turned around, and thinking that they were pulling the yoke back to fly to to pull up into the sky, ended up actually uh, pulling the yoke up and diving straight into the ground. And what he says is that that the world around us is flying upside down. And thinking that by pulling up, they're actually going to, to uh, accelerate into life and instead are crashing and burning. But that what the kingdom of God does is it flips the whole world upside down or actually right side up. And so that Jesus says things that make no sense from the perspective of this world. Like, if you want to be first, you actually need to be last. If you want to be a leader, then you're actually called to serve. If you want to live, then it looks like dying. And there's a road that leads to death, but it looks like life. And, and this kingdom of God life is a life that is actually lived upside down or right side up from the rest of the world around us. But because, this, the, because the world around us is so pervasive and is every moment trying to mold us into its image, God's saying is that we need this daily renewal of our mind so that we can be transformed to become the kind of people that God always envisioned us to be, a rooted kind of people. That word transformed there is actually in Greek the word metamorpho, which is where we get our word metamorphosis, that, that, that picture of a caterpillar being transformed into a butterfly. It's the same picture for Jesus. You remember when he goes up on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's the same word, where he is transformed before them into his true glory. And what God is saying is that is I want that same kind of inner transformation for you. And the reality is, is the deepest longings of our soul is for that kind of transformation for that kind of, of rooted life in God where we experience the presence of God to move from anxiety to peace, from striving to rest, from selfishness to love. And what we don't need is just more information, another Bible study, another sermon, another podcast. What we need is that inner renewal that comes only from the presence, that transformation that comes from tuning in to his voice in our daily lives, from moving from lies to truth, allowing God to root out the places of the, the thorny places, to dig up and to, and to break open the hard ground. So how? How do we engage in this inner renewal of our minds and as he says so that by testing we may discern what is the will of God in other words what God's desire is for our lives for our days when I was growing up and I uh, started following Jesus when I was in, at the end of middle school, and uh, and I remember 
one of the things that was always talked about and highlighted was having your daily quiet time. Anybody else hear about, you know, have your daily quiet time. And, and, uh, and the idea was just time alone with Jesus, which is a really actually powerful concept. But somehow as I got into college, it, uh, it, the daily quiet time sort of started, um, I don't want to say being made fun of, but it was sort of kind of almost looked down upon as like this legalistic thing. It's just, you know, have your daily quiet time. You don't really need your daily quiet time. Or you're just, that's a checkbox, you know, you know checkbox. And um, if you're just going through it to just say, okay, God's happy with me today because I spent 15 minutes in the Bible. And, and just even uh, working with young leaders now, just seeing that this idea of a daily rhythm of alone time with God has really been lost in our culture. But the reality is, is going back to it, not as a, as a legalistic checkbox, but just as a way of life. How does that renewal of the mind come? From daily time alone with God. Let me say that again. What do we need for that renewing of the mind that transforms our lives so that we can test and know God's will? That daily time alone with God. We need to create, we have to create space in our lives. If I want a deep relationship with my wife, to be connected to her, I'll tell you what won't work is to spend a month not talking to her. Or when she's talking just not listen at all. That's not usually a recipe for a great marriage. But what is it? To connect, for that face-to-face -face contact, to listen and to speak, to share what's going on in my heart, and what, what, what I'm concerned about, what's overwhelming me, what I'm struggling with, what I'm excited about, to hear from her what she's worried about and struggling with and excited about, to share and to process. To get to know her better as she gets to know me better. And in the same way, that kind of intimate life is what God desires with us. And it's that kind of intimate life, that practice of the presence of God, is what roots us in his love. By being rooted in his word. To hear from him. Again, not just for more information or memorization that I, you know, I studied, okay, I got my scriptures down for the day, but to, to connect. All right, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do with this? Like, how powerful is it in, our, in the roles that we live that we have the creator of the universe, the one who knows best how life is meant to live, that we have access to him at any moment of our lives? When we're trying to figure out the curriculum for our, for our ninth grade classroom. It, when we're trying to, to discern like how to, to work through a, a complicated engineering problem. When we're trying to figure out how to navigate a relational dynamic in the office or in our family. We actually have the guy that created all relationships and created all, was the, the source of all engineering who's able to download his truth into our lives. It's like that practical. It's not just so that I can know, you know, a, a couple of key verses. Though knowing some key verses is critical into it as well. So we create space. And so what you're going to be led into this week, in this first week of the rooted journey, is recognizing that 
not all of us connect with God in the same way. And I think that is actually one of the reasons that the daily quiet time movement kind of faded, is it sort of gave a formula approach to how I connect with God. So here's what you do. Here's the, here's the, the three steps to studying your Bible, and here is the four steps to how to pray. And recognizing that God wants to connect with you in your own unique way, that he speaks your heart language. He knows how you're wired. He knows how your mind works. He knows how he made you. So therefore, he knows best how to connect with you. And so by knowing, okay, what is it that for me, and even think right now, what are the times that you have felt closest to God? That's important. Like, what's your, like what are the times that you felt like, when is that moment that you felt like you had a nudge from God, or that you felt like that he was right there with you? Were you walking in the woods? Was it early in the morning with a cup of coffee? Was it, uh, was it sharing a meal and a deep discussion with friends? To recognize, okay, how are you wired and how do you receive? And so what you'll find is, uh, if you go to page 14, that we uh, kind of see that there's these five unique approaches to connecting with God. And some of them are a little tongue-in-cheek, but just to get creative, to just begin to, to recognize, to break out of that mold of this, there's like one way to do this. And so your challenge for the week, if you so take it, is to choose a handful of different ones, ideally from different, uh, different uh, of the approaches. You have the sensate, the person that is a focus on all five senses of, of, uh, of, uh, of experiencing God with, with, our, with our body. The traditionalist, a lover of hymnals, pews, and stained glass. The naturalist exercises for the nature lover, the intellectual for the deep thinker, and the caregiver connecting with God by considering others. And so take each one of these uh, five categories and maybe just pick one. And over the next few days, and this will be the building, the, the, the foundation that all of the rest of the rooted journey is building off of, is, it, is creating this intentional time to connect with God. And then you'll see at the end of the different suggestions, there's a place on page 20 for you to write out, okay, which ones am I going to try? And when am I going to do it? And that last question on page 20 is probably one of the most important questions. What am I going to cut out of my life to make room for this? Because every yes is a no to something else. And so when I say yes to... And no judgment, but when I say yes to the newest series on Netflix, I'm saying no to a lot of things that I could fill hours of my life with. And it's just important that we recognize that. It's not to say that the things I'm choosing are bad, but just to be conscious that I am choosing something. And when I choose my time in a certain way, I'm choosing to say no to other things. And so in this way, we're kind of reversing it and saying, okay, for this week or these next five weeks, we're going to be intentional about saying yes to intentional daily connection with God. What am I going to say no to? An extra 15 minutes of sleep? Scrolling TikTok? Where, where am I going to build in that space in my life? Because oftentimes, what becomes the greatest excuse, I just don't have time for this, is actually a lie. It's not a question of whether you have time or not. It's just what are you going to do with your time? Take that and process that a little bit.
And so I, I just, uh, on this past weekend, I had the opportunity, there's a, a group of, every year I, I take a handful of guys and um, just invest in their spiritual growth as, as a way of discipling. And so the, the group of men that I'm uh, uh, discipling currently, we went on a, a prayer retreat on Friday and Saturday. And one of the things that we talked about is a lot of times uh, on, you know, prayer retreats or um, in classes on how to pray, we can spend a lot of time talking about praying and not actually pray. But the best way to learn how to pray or how to encounter God is just to do it. And so I wanted just to create space this morning, which is a little bit different than we normally do. Uh, but uh, And we'll go into worship here in, in just a, a moment to continue seeing and take communion together. But I just wanted to kind of to create space even right now to encounter God, the practice of presence of God with us in this moment. And so I invite you just to close your eyes and just to lead, lead us through just a time of prayer so that we're not just talking about hearing from God, but actually walking in it a little bit. And if this makes you uncomfortable or not something you want to engage in or you're just not there with God, that's cool. You can pray for your neighbor or check out the NFL games coming up this afternoon. But I encourage you, close your eyes. And just as a way of just uh, stilling our mind, there's an ancient practice called centering prayer where we just, uh, just slow down long enough to give God a little bit of space. So I encourage you just to take a deep breath. Breathe in and then slowly just breathe out. And breathe in and just breathe out. Early church fathers in Centering Prayer would talk about uh, they called it the Jesus Prayer. And as they breathed in, they would pray in their their mind. They would hold on to the phrase, Lord Jesus, Son of God. And then as they breathed out, would would hold on to the phrase, have mercy on me, a sinner. So breathing in, Lord Jesus, Son of God. And breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. And as you breathe in, just in your mind to say, Jesus, I receive your love. Almost imagine that breath filling your entire body. As you breathe out, I release my fear. Breathe in, I receive your love. I release my fear. Breathe in. I receive your grace. And breathe out. I release my shame. I receive your grace. I release my shame. Let's breathe in. I receive your rest. Breathe out. I release my striving. 
I receive your rest. I release my striving. And then from that place of stillness with God, Lord Jesus, I just ask, will you call to mind something we're thankful for that brought us joy from this past week? And just in your mind, in your heart, to just give thanks to God. To experience that place of joy with him. And recognize that it comes from him. So just thank God for those blessings, those celebrations. And if you're willing, just ask God, Lord, will you search my heart? Is there any, anything that's off? Anything I need to be honest with you about to confess? Any place of guilt or shame? And you can just pray, in the name of Jesus, I confess. And just acknowledge anything that happened this week or didn't happen this week. That you know it doesn't line up with what God wants for you. Any places of bondage. as you confess and are honest just let that sin die on the cross with Jesus and receive his forgiveness and from that place just ask the Lord search my heart is there anything that's anxious in me as you think about the week ahead is there anything that's causing you fear stress don't run away from the anxiety but to take it to Jesus be honest with him and if you can't just ask him Lord what do you want me to know what is true And then if you're willing to ask God just to bring to mind, is there anyone that I'm concerned for? Is there anyone that God is inviting you to pray for, somebody else that needs the touch of God in their life? And just lift them up to Jesus on his throne, just by name. God, I pray for this person. Ask God on their behalf for what they need.
And then lastly, with all the things that God has been showing you or speaking to you through his word, through this passage in Romans, through your prayer, Lord, is there one thing you're inviting me to do in response? When I get up out of this seat and go into the rest of my day, what is one step of faith, one action you're asking me to take? What do you want me to do? Before this week, how are you inviting me to enter in to this rooted journey with you, God? Whatever's coming to mind, just write it down. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that it's in this place of stillness, in the midst of all the chaos and the craziness, the uncertainty of our world, that you are the one thing that is true and is sure. And that you say to cast all of our anxiety on you, that you will be our peace. To pray continually with all kind of praises and thanksgiving and requests that you desire as a good father to hear from your children, that your arms are open wide. Would you root us in your love, in your presence, in your word, that we would be a people with a firm foundation in our lives and transformed in our soul from the inside out. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we continue in this posture of prayer and worship, we invite you into communion, that reminder of the presence of God with us by the breaking of the bread and the forgiveness of God by the blood of Jesus Christ. I invite you, if you want to come kneel here at the cross, to continue in a posture of prayer where you sit or to stand and to praise, let us worship God together.